start by asking us to kind of dig back into our memories. How many of you ever used to pretend that you were a superhero? Yeah, did you used to read the comics or watch the, um, watch the cartoons or even the movies with superheroes and you saw them doing incredible things and overcoming amazing obstacles? And did you ever think, do you know what? I'm going to be like that. I know we've got our na- a little boy next door to us. His name is Jack. He's our neighbor and he's three years old. And Jack pops around quite often. And Jack pops around as Jack, as in he's wearing normal clothes and we chat and he talks to us about what he done in nursery and things like that. But then there's times when Jack pops around as Batman. Now, when Jack turns, comes to our house as Batman, we don't have the same conversations. He doesn't walk the same. He walks like this and his voice is like that. Well, it's not like that. That sounds the same. But it's his voice. His voice changes. His actions change. He is not the Jack that turns up in his school uniform after nursery. This boy is role-playing being a superhero, and he has superpowers, and he is planning to let us know and be involved in his little game of um, superheroes. And you know, if, I was on, if I'm honest with you, when I was younger, there was something quite appealing to being a caped crusader. I could kind of see myself as Wonder Woman, and you know, doing things, being able to defy all the limitations of life to do something spectacular. And I think for a lot of us, we, we kind of have dreamt about having superpowers, being able to l- remove those limitations from our lives and be able to do something that's extraordinary, it's extra super. And if I was, um, if I was to ask you this today, if somebody was to stop you in the street and say to you, do you have superpowers? What would your answer be? Your answer would be, well, some of you say your answer would be yes. That's awesome. For those of us that would be like, no, I don't have superpowers. No, I don't. Then today, what I want to do is just talk to us about the life that we are living right now in 2022, heading in to 2023. And I want us to think about that whole idea of superpowers. Do we have them? Do we not have them? This morning, I want us to look from the Bible. And maybe for those of us that may, you know, may think, actually, no, I'm just ordinary. I don't have superpowers. I just go about my daily life like any ordinary Joe on the street. Today, I want us to look from the word of God to see and challenge those mindsets that we may have. Because I'm not sure if you're aware, but actually, you do have superpowers. You are no longer an ordinary person. When you accepted Jesus into your heart, and this is where the defining moment in all of our lives came in relation to having access to this superpower. When you became a Christian, when you invited Jesus into your heart, your life moved from being ordinary to being completely off the charts. So I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, I am not ordinary. I have superpowers. Romans 8 says this, 
verse 10, it says, and Paul declares this, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. When we placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we received Jesus to live inside of us. And we also received the Holy Spirit to live inside of us too. I want us to just pause on that a minute. Think about it. Say that to yourself. I have Christ living in me. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. You know, I've been meditating on this for the last while. And honestly, it blows my mind. This is a big deal. This is like the biggest names in history and the biggest names that there will ever be in the future. This is the biggest names saying that they are living in me. This is not just Christ and the Holy Spirit looking from a distance and observing our lives and seeing what we're doing, nor does the scripture say that Christ will just visit us or the Holy Spirit will just visit us occasionally because, hey, there's a lot of people on planet Earth and a lot of visitation to take care of. No, this scripture says that Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives in us. This is life changing. And I want us to just pause on that because sometimes I think it's so easy to just go about life the way that we do it without really realizing the life that we have contained within each one of us. We've been brought into a whole new realm of living. When we asked Jesus into our hearts, no, we didn't end up moving to a different physical location, but everything else changed. Everything else moved. It said we were brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light. We had a complete transformation that took place. We are now new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new is here. Having Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in us is not like having your best friend from down the road coming to live with you. This is like the creator of the universe living in you and I. That is a whole lot of power contained within us. A whole lot of power. And just like if we were to think of superheroes with their superpowers, superheroes go about accomplishing good, changing lives, making a difference. There's purpose to the power for the reason why they have those powers. And it's the same with the life of God living within us. There's purpose to the power and the reason why we've been given this power. Because God wants to see a transformation in our lives. He doesn't want us to live the way that we used to live. He wants us to live a transformed life. And so he says, I'm going to pack myself into your life. 
You may be weak in your body. You may feel like you have little strength. You may look at yourself and say, I don't have a lot going for myself. I don't feel that educated. I'm not earning big salaries. My gift and talents are mediocre. But God chooses to place all of heaven inside of you and the power of him inside of you and I because he doesn't want us to live ordinary lives anymore. He wants to change our way of living. He wants to transform us in every single way in which we live. So this morning, I want us to look at this because it is powerful. When we comprehend it, when we let it sit and rest, and when it becomes not just head knowledge, but when it becomes a revelation to us that this is what we have access to every day. The power of God living in me. Say that again. I've got the power of God living in me. And again. And again, I got the power. So when you're in your bedroom in the morning, you wake up, I got the power. You need to do a victory dance over that. We need to do victory dances. This is not a, I've got the power. This is, I've got the power. Everyone get up on your feet, actually. We're going to have a dance party now. If you can bounce, you can bounce. If you can't, you can't. But I want you to bust some moves and I want you to say, I got the power. Power. I got the power. I got the power. I got the power. The power. I got the power. I got the power. Awesome. Turn to somebody as you sit down and say, I've got the power. This is explosive life that we have been given. We are not to live our lives defeated, downtrodden. Yes, life's not perfect, but we have the power of God living in us. So I want us to look at the kind of power that we've received because we've been given power. What does this power look like? Well, first of all, I'm going to share eight things. First of all, not first of all, I'm going to share eight things with you so we can picture and understand what this power looks like that is living within us to be not contained within us, but to be flowing through our lives. First of all, the power of God makes the impossible possible. The power of God makes the impossible possible. We've just read it in Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God raised Christ from the dead. That is not a normal everyday occurrence. Being raised from the dead is defying the laws of nature that God has actually brought about. He can do the impossible. He makes the impossible possible. Think about about this. When Mary said yes to God, when the angel Gabriel came and visited her, in Matthew 1.18, it says this, 
But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that brought life into a body. His power is able to do the impossible. He's able to do anything. And that is exciting. That is the power of God that we have living in us. So if you are facing an insurmountable problem today, I want you to remind yourselves and stir your faith to say, do you know what? My God is more than able to overcome any situation because he can fling the stars into space. He can part a Red Sea. He can cause the sun to stop. He can do whatever he wants if it's what he purposes. And we've got to believe that God can change circumstances. So we With our God living in our lives, he is able to make the impossible possible. Secondly, the power of God in our lives frees us from sin. Frees us from sin. Romans, it says this, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And then in verse 12 of Romans 8, it goes on to say this. Therefore, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through not your own strength... But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the things of your sinful nature, you will live. We have been given, the Holy Spirit has freed us from the power of the old nature. And verse 12 said, we've got absolutely no obligation to do now anything. Beyond what he's, um, and sin anymore. If we do, it's not because we haven't been freed. It's because we're making choices. We're making choices to do this. It's a bit like, you know, when somebody comes out of prison, they're freed from prison to walk their new life. Now, the thing is, now they've got freedom. They've also got a choice to walk straight back. But the Bible says, no, we have been freed from sin. We are under no obligation to live that life of sin, to live according to our nature. We, when we feel like doing something that we know is contrary to the word of God, it's not because there's any power in that. It's just because we've got to make a choice and say, no, I'm not doing it. I'm free. I'm free. The power has made me free. Yes, I may entertain thoughts, but I am not going to act on those thoughts. I am going to believe and stand on the fact that I have been freed from sin. And that is a powerful, life-changing transformation for all of us. The power of God within our lives, thirdly, performs miracles. Mark 5.30 says this, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? That power of God 
was and released through the life of Jesus to heal the woman with the issue of blood. It was the power of God that was able to perform a miracle in her life. But performing of miracles is not just contained within the pages of the Bible. It's not just to be about Jesus performing miracles. No, this is to flow out of our lives in 2022 as well. We see that when we look at um, Acts 6 verse 8 where we see Stephen, it says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. This power of God, it's not us, okay? So this is not power. We can't perform miracles because we have power, but we are are like vessels containing the power of God, and he's desperate to break out. He's desperate to allow that power to be transformed, to change somebody else's life. He doesn't want it contained just for us. He says, no, break it out. I can remember when I was in college, there was a boy with a broken leg, and I said to him, can I pray for you and he was like oh okay so I prayed for him and just he had just broken his leg he was in cast and we prayed the next day he walked into college and he didn't have a cast on and I said what's happened he said well after you prayed for me my leg started itching it started getting hot and he said so I went to the hospital and they were like oh perhaps your leg is swelling they said we'll knock off your um we'll knock off your cast and we'll take a look at it so they took off his cast they could feel the heat in his leg so they went and just re-x-rayed it to see if anything was happening and when they re-x-rayed it they said there's no break the break is completely gone. He walked into college. Let me tell you, that was a testimony that went out through college. And the thing is, sometimes the Bible says that we've got to trust God, that he wants to reach out. I was speaking to a lady. I had my head done a few months ago um, in Usk, and I had a bit of time before I picked up the children, and I was just sat on a bench by the river, river of Usk, and I was like, Holy Spirit, I'd love to speak to somebody today about you. And so I just thought, right, I'm going to just start walking. So I started walking, and there was a little old lady that was walking down the path. And I went up to her, and I was like, good morning. How are you today? It's a lovely day. And she said, oh, it's lovely. And we just started a brief brief conversation. And after that, she said, oh, but my IBS is so bad. And I was like, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to trust that this is you setting this up. So I said to her on the banks of the River Esk, I said, can I pray for you? I explained to her about being a Christian and, and about Jesus wanting to heal. And I just laid hands on her there on the banks of the River Esk. And I prayed for her. And we carried on our conversation. And she walked away. I've not seen her since. I don't know the outcome of that. But what I do know is that God gave me an opportunity that day and I was like Lord I want to take your power not contain it within myself as a best kept secret but I want to expose other people to this power of God and we've got to trust that that's what God will do he wants to perform miracles in our midst but all we've got to do is be open to share and release that power from our lives to the lives of other people The fourth thing I want to say about the power of God is that it empowers us for the commission. 
Luke 24, 49 says this, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. When we know that sharing the gospel is part of the commission and the mission that we have been given by God. Because again, God, he wants to get his message out to as many people as possible. And we are here on earth as his hands and his feet and his ambassadors to spread and to share the good news of the gospel with people. But what I love about this is that God doesn't say, just do it and see how you get on. He says, no, do it. But let me tell you that I'm going to him empower you to do it. I am going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit that is going to enable you to share. So when we feel a bit nervous about saying something, striking up a conversation with somebody, stepping out to share the gospel, don't say when you're there and you feel like, oh, can I do this? Remind yourself, I'm not doing this in my own strength. The Holy Spirit has empowered me to do this. He's not asking me to do anything that he's not given me the strength to do. And his power enables us to do things. This power is powerful. It helps us reach beyond the confines and the limitations of our lives in order to release the life-giving love of God, which we've sang about this morning, and release it and share it to other people. The fifth thing I want to say about the power of God, add the thumb, is that it makes us strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Oftentimes we feel like we don't have what it takes to make an impact, to make a change, to step out for God. But God's like, I don't need you to have strength. I don't need you to have all these abilities. He says, I've got what it takes. And he said, actually, I want to allow my power to work through you, enabling each one of us to do things that we never thought was possible. And do you know why it's so powerful? Because then the glory doesn't come to ourselves, but the glory goes all to him. The glory goes all to him. So when we are weak, when we feel like we're not able, don't, don't say, well, I'm weak, I can't do it. Say, yeah, I'm feeling weak, but God, I draw on your power, your life within me to equip me to do what you've asked me to do. A number of years ago, probably about nine or ten years ago now, we decided to apply for some funding from the National Lottery for Jesus Cares. Dave and I have never written a funding bid before. And it was miraculous, really, that we got through the first stage because if you were applying for funding for, um, from a funder, there are like criteria of what you're meant to do. So Dave didn't really read the criteria because Dave doesn't read the instructions for IKEA wardrobes either. 
and then rings up when they don't go together and says, I think there's a problem. We, he did that. He did ring. Did you check the instruction? No, I didn't check the instructions. So anyway, um, Dave didn't read the instructions for, um, for this national lottery thing. And he filled in an application. I didn't even know he had done it. And, and then we got a letter saying we've gone through to the second round of funding. So then I start reading the rules, because I'm a bit like that. I'm the one that would read the instructions. You know, it's just with two different people. I read the instructions. So then I read the instructions, the guidance, and then I read his first application. And I'm like, it is a miracle you even got through here, because nothing they've asked for is even contained in your outline proposal. So then as I began to read more and more of these directions, I just became really disheartened heartened. And I was like, Dave, I can't do this. I've never applied for funding before. And by the way, Dave, Dave, everyone locally said don't apply for more than 25,000 because they just don't give big amounts of money to projects locally. So Dave said, we're going to apply for 250,000. So like, so like there's kind of that weight of pressure thinking, we're going to write a bid together. And like, I've never written a bid. I don't know how to do it whatsoever. And I really felt the weight of that pressure. And I can't tell you how many times Summer had just been born. So Summer's our fourth baby. And she was delightful and loved to be held all the time, even when it was bedtime. You know when you're like, oh, we'll just put it to bed now and we'll have a few hours? No. No, she was held the whole time until about midnight. So it kind of took up a little bit more time than we were expected. And we had limited space in the house. So we had an old computer in a wardrobe. So we were, and we'd put the kids to bed at seven o'clock. And then after that, we'd try and start writing this bid. And I can remember, Dave would be rocking Summer in his arms on the side of the bed like this. And I would be reading the application going, I can't do this, no, I can't do this. And I'd be going, Dave, I can't do this. I, I've got no... I haven't got a clue. I have not got a clue. And every time I wanted to give up, Dave said, come on, we'll just try. And I'm like, I just can't do this. And every time I want to give up, I was like, but Lord, if I apply, if, we, if I go through with this, what if they say yes? Think about how that £250,000 can make a difference in the lives of people who are struggling within our community. So for many months, and it was months because they give you six months to complete that application, I spent most of my time in the evenings with Dave in the bedroom, working from a computer in a wardrobe, crying because I couldn't do it, crying because I'm like, I just don't know what to do. And we, we would work together and just we would just um, keep on going. Anyway, we submitted the application. And you know the story because Jesus Cares is here now. The first, the first time, and it was a miracle, the first um, we received an, um, a letter saying that we had received the 250 pounds, which we shouldn't have had even because we were a religious organization and they didn't want us to have it. But in that moment, I can remember thinking, Lord, you promised to give us power when we were weak. And you know what? That's what the Lord did to the point that now when I speak with our funders, they actually say, Faye, you guys write 
textbook applications. They said, we actually give your applications to other people to see the way that we want it done. I say that to say the power of God within us gives us strength when we're weak and enables to do th- enables us to do things that we don't have the skill to do. But all he's looking for is somebody to say, well, I'll give it a go. I'm weak, but here I am as a vessel. Lord, will you fill me with your power and will you work through me? And he wants to do that in the life of each one of us. All he's looking for is a yes from us. All he's looking for is this, yes, I'm weak. Yes, I don't have a lot, but Lord, use me. Allow your power to flow through me in whatever way possible because I am a vessel to be used for your glory. The sixth thing I want to say about the power of God is it enables us to live holy lives. Philippians 2.13 says this, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That's really what the Christ life is about, isn't it? It's about that transformation. Yeah, we used to walk this way. But we don't walk that way anymore. We are now citizens of a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. And there's a whole different way of living in that kingdom of God. It's like the difference between driving in Britain and driving in India. Rules? No rules. But you know what I mean? There's just different. You kind of can do anything. There's different rules that govern different kingdoms. There's different ways of doing things. And it's the way it is with the kingdom of God. But God doesn't say, muddle it through and make sure you please me at the end. He says, no, he's going to give us the power to enable us to live a life that pleases him. He's completely invested in seeing us succeed and flourish. And I don't know about you, but as a parent, I don't think as parents cross the world, there's nothing that's more um, encouraging than to see our children flourish, to see our children, you know, make a decision that's, um, that enables them to live well. And it's the way that it is with God. He says, do you know what? I want to see the lives of my children flourish. And so I'm going to give them power to do what is right. And that doesn't mean we won't be presented with lots of opportunities to do what is wrong. Because the Bible says that we are to live clean lives in a world that's full of perversion and corruption. So we have choices to make every day about the life that we live. And if we don't know the way we're to live, that just means we haven't spent enough time looking at the book, which is the Bible that will give us the instructions and give us the guidance and the help that we need. So I encourage each one of us to spend time looking at how we can live a life that pleases him. Because I think that's what we want to do, isn't it? To live a life that pleases our heavenly Lord and Savior who gave his life for us. And he's not asking us to live this life that pleases him in our own strength. But he says, actually, I'm going to give you the power which is contained within us in order to make that happen. The seventh thing I want to say is that God makes us stand strong and courageous. 
That's what the power of God does in us. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of, shout it out, power, love, and self-discipline. The task may seem daunting. People may oppose us and they may be intimidating. We may be persecuted for his sake, but we are shown that we have the power of God that lives in us, that is more than able to meet every challenge and every circumstance that we face. We have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sign man. So we can actually, we can actually stand rooted in that. And when things are challenging, and maybe when people are trying to intimidate you because of your faith and your beliefs, we can stand strong and say, God, thank you. I've not been given a spirit of fear. No, I've got the power of God living in me. I'm going to stand courageous. I'm going to stand strong because those who know their God will do great exploits. And I know my God. And my God says that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So I'm not going to cower. I'm not going to back down in the midst of opposition through circumstances or people. But no, I'm going to press on. Because God says that I can press on because of the power that's living within me. And the final thing I want to say about the power of God is that it exceeds our expectations. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. The sky is the limit with God in our lives. He's able to take an ordinary life and make it extraordinary because he is is the creator of the universe and he is living in us and he wants to push through and break out of our lives, not only transforming and changing us, but also impacting others as well. I don't know about you, but when I read about those scriptures about the power of God that's residing within us, I feel so energized. I feel so excited and empowered. It's almost like I feel like a spiritual hulk where my muscles begin to bulge and my posture gets big. And I feel like, no, this is the life that I've been given. This is the life that I have been given to face every situation situation that comes my way so that I can live a life of abundance, so that I can live the life that Christ has set out for each, for me and for each one of us. His life, I don't read any scripture there that feels weak or wishy-washy. Do you? Is there any scripture there that makes you feel deflated and like I'm not, I, I, this is awful, this is not the life I want to live? It doesn't to me, when I read it, I'm like, yes. I feel like I said to Dave earlier this week, I read it and I feel like dynamite. I feel like it's like dynamite and explosion. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I need to get this. I need to live in this every day. This is my reality. This is my reality as a child of God.
the power of God in me who is more than able to overcome and is bigger and more powerful than anything that I'm ever going to encounter. And it's interesting because that word power, which is we've read about in all of those scriptures, is from the Greek word dunamis. And that's where we actually get our English word dynamite. That's what this word means in the Greek. It's that powerful word. It's actually used 117 times in the New Testament alone. And this means, this power means strength. It means power. It means ability. It's inherent power. What that means is it's in God's nature. He is power. He is power and his power, which is in his nature, is in us. It means power for performing miracles. It means moral power. That's why we can do what God asks us to do that's going to please him and live the way of life like that because he gives us moral power and he gives us excellence of soul as well. His power is not a gift that we stick to the back of the wardrobe because we can't work out, will it ever be used? No, this power is like the gift that you want to use every day. It's like your favorite toy at Christmas. And he's like, here it is. It doesn't come to visit every now and again. It's not kind of like, right, well, you can have this power. Let's see. 64 days from now, meet me here and I'll give you this power. No, this day, this power is here for our daily lives. And all we've got to do is appropriate that power in our lives and attach our faith to that power and say, God, I'm going to live by the power of your spirit each and every day. We don't need to do things anymore in our own strength. How liberating. How liberating to think every day when we walk down the street, we're not reliant on our own strength, our own abilities, our own clever words, our own clever intellect. We're not reliant on that as we live. We're reliant on the power of God living in us and flowing through us. So how does this power impact our lives? I mean, we've read it here and we can see that. But how does it impact our lives? And I was thinking about it. This power impacts our lives by changing our perspective. We don't approach things the same way anymore. We can't approach things the same way. Life BC, before Christ, and life after Christ, they're two different worlds. How can we approach our new life in Christ with the old perspective? We can't. His life, his power in our life changes our perspective. We end up approaching things differently. We end up responding to life differently. The dunamis power of God in our lives changes the way we think. It changes the way we speak and it changes the way that we act. And we see a great example of that in the life of Paul. This was a man that endured more suffering and persecution, challenges and trials 
than anyone I've ever known. Let me read some of the things that um, happened to Paul. He was flogged by Jews five times with 39 lashes. He was beaten by Roman rods three times. He was pummeled with rocks. He was shipwrecked three times. He traveled hard year in, year out. He fought off robbers. He struggled with friends and enemies. He endured risky conditions in the city, in the wilderness, and at sea. He was betrayed by people he thought were friends. He served hard labor. He spent between five and six of his years of his life either under house arrest or in prison. And he felt the constant weight of responsibility for the church and the believers in the unknown Christian world. And yet, Romans 8, 31, Paul says this. And if God was for us, who can be against us? Not being funny, right? If I went through what Paul went through, I pray I would think like that. But I'm not really there yet, if I'm honest. I would be like, God is not for me if all of this is happening to me. But the power of God in Paul's life changed his perspective. So he went on to then say in verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? If we're persecuted, or we're hungry, or we're destitute, or we're in danger, or we're threatened for death, for which all of those things happen to Paul. He says, for as the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. The circumstances that Paul found himself in and the way that he navigated through those challenges and trials and sufferings could only happen because of the power of God living in him. And it's not just head knowledge that we're getting to see on, um, on the pages as we read Paul's letters. This is, like a, this is a life that he's lived out. These sufferings and persecutions and trials are real and his responses in them are real as well. He's not writing saying, well, if this happened to me, I would do this. No, he's actually like, this happened and this is what I did. The man didn't become bitter He didn't become angry or cynical. He didn't become despondent. He didn't ever lose hope. He didn't view himself as a victim or feel hard done by. Instead, we see him praising in a prison. We see him giving thanks and being full of joy in all circumstances. When he was under house arrest or when he was in prison, He wasn't like, game over. Instead, he used his incarceration as an opportunity to write to believers. And it wasn't a sob story letter that he was writing about the hard times that he was facing. He was actually writing letters to encourage the believers then and inspire them in their faith and and telling them to press on, to keep on going. He was strengthening them even in the midst of all of those things that was going on. Paul was never defeated. He was full of hope. We just read it. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors. Shipwrecked. Beatings. 
suffering beyond suffering, all those things, prison. And he says, yet in all things, we are more than conquerors. His ability to get back up and keep on going and set an example wasn't because he had any superpowers in and of himself. He was an ordinary man. He was able to do that because of the power of God that was living in him. And he chose to draw on that power of God in each and every circumstance that he faced, allowing God's power to change his perspective, which is why 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this. He wrote, for the kingdom of God is not just about talk. It is about living by God's power. Changing the way we think, act, and speak. So from Paul's life, I just want to share a few things that we can see to encourage us as we walk through our lives. Firstly, we can see that we choose our response to circumstances. There are things in life that are beyond our control. There are things that we cannot manipulate, no no matter how hard we want. There are some things we can control and some things we can't. But when the going gets tough and when we find ourselves in situations that are beyond our control, what we do have the power of is to choose our response in the midst of that circumstance. That circumstance doesn't dictate our response, only we do. So we really need to think about what we're going to make our response. This is where we see the fruits of the Spirit coming through Paul's life as he's walking. And it's a challenge. I don't want to go through hard times. I like easy. But the reality is that's not the life that God's promised. He's promised us a life of abundance in him. He's promised us blessings and treasures forevermore. But he said things are going to be tough. He says we're going to go through trials. He says we're going to go through suffering. He says we're going to endure persecution. And some of that's going to be beyond our control, but our response within it is completely within our control. And this is where the life of Christ and the power of God comes in to operation. And I love that Paul trusted in God's sovereignty in, in the midst of everything. Because Paul says in Romans eight twenty eight, for we know that God causes everything. Paul's everything was quite big. To work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That is a change of perspective that can only come from the power of God working in our lives. That is not normal thinking after you've endured those kind of things. But that is that power that we get to um, draw on that allows us to choose our response in the midst of circumstances that we can't control. Secondly, from the life of Paul, we see that he drew strength from God. 2 Corinthians 1.8 says this, We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. 
You know, sometimes we all love doing things in our own strength, don't we? And say, I can do it. But actually, it's way easier to just come to the point of saying, God, I can't do it. But I trust that you can do it. And I trust, I don't want to rely on myself, but I want to draw strength from you. Because he, as Paul anchored himself into God, God's power was more than enough to be able to help him in every situation. And he knew that God would do what he wanted to in his life. And he placed complete faith and trust in God and said, you know what? You've raised the dead. You've raised Jesus. You can do what you want in my life and I trust my life to your safekeeping and I think that's a powerful thing for each of us to be able to depend and draw strength from him and from the Lord and that's why I think Dave's mentioned it this morning that's why Paul talks about prayer so often as well when Philippians 4 6 says don't worry about anything Instead, pray about everything. And Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying. That's how we can draw strength from God when we begin to connect with him and say, God, this is the situation. I need your power in the midst of this situation because I can't do anything in and of myself. But we lean in and rely on him as our source of strength and power. You know, the third thing we see about from the life of Paul is that we are to choose joy and thanksgiving every day. You know, our joy and thanksgiving is not dependent on our circumstances because the Christian life isn't based on feeling. Like, if we allow our feelings to dictate the way we act, we're in danger, okay? So don't, don't do anything based on feeling. Because that's not, what the, that's not what the Bible says. No, we place our faith and trust in God. And if his word says it, whether we feel it or not, we do it. So we've got to choose to rejoice and choose thankfulness and choose joy in every circumstance. In the good and in the not good. That's what Paul says. Philippians 4, 4 says, always... Not when times are going good, do be full of joy in the Lord, but always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Thessalonians says, always be joyful. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. He belong to Christ Jesus. Oftentimes, if we run and, and we, we um, live according to feelings, when tough times happen, we withhold our thanksgiving, we get immersed in other things and we're like, well, no, I can't. I can't praise now because this is really rubbish and this is really tough. But Paul says, no, choose your response that in the midst of everything, we draw on the joy of the Lord who is our strength and we choose to thank. We take our minds off ourselves and we actually choose to place our minds and our remind ourselves of the greatness of our God. We remind ourselves of who he is and all that he's done and we'll find that as we as we are filled with joy and thanksgiving we'll find ourselves changing as we don't allow the um, the circumstances of life to rob us of joy and thanksgiving the fourth thing I want to say is be content Philippians 4 says for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything 
I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Contentment is a beautiful thing in the life of a believer. Whether we're going through a tough time or whether we're singing from the mountaintops, contentment is powerful because it's trusting God with everything. And in the world in which we live, there's not a lot of content people out there. People are grappling all the time for the newest thing, thinking that will make them happy, give them like the buzz. But it doesn't. People have lots of things and keep on looking, keep on looking. And that's not the way we should be as believers. We need to be like, Lord, I am content. I am content because you are my source. You are my source. And I can do everything, whether I've got a lot or whether I've got a little. I can do everything because you give me strength. Fifthly, I want to say for us to live well, we see that role modeled in the life of Paul. Romans 12 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and and perfect. And Philippians 1.27 says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Our attitudes and the way that we conduct our lives should not follow the mantra of this world, the mantra that says anything goes. No, we have been brought, we've been bought with a price, been brought into a new kingdom. We've left the kingdom of darkness. We are now, um, we are now citizens of the kingdom of light. And there's a new way of operating. And we need to live in a manner that's worthy of our Lord. And his power enables us to do it. And we see that through the life of Paul. Despite everything, he lived well. He set a great example for us of how we can live in any situation. And he had every situation happen in his life, hey. And sixthly, what we see through the life of Paul is that we are to keep pursuing the goal. Philippians 3 says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us on calling us in spite of everything Paul pressed on he had hope he had hope that whilst he was on this earth he had a purpose to fulfill and when it was his time to go he was being reunited with his Lord and Savior in heaven he had hope which enabled him to press on to press on. So when things and challenges come, don't f- we've got to remind ourselves to not back off and think, right, I'm out of the race. But no, just keep on pressing on. Just keep on pressing on. Keep our eyes focused on what God has called us to do. 
And that's not easy because often we want to give up. But Paul said, no, despite everything, I'm just going to press on. I'm going to press on towards the goal of Christ and heaven. And I think that's such a powerful example. His life is such a powerful example for us as believers as to how we can live in the power of God every day. Paul's life is really like a signpost, isn't it? To say, actually, this is the supernatural way of God that each one of us can walk in. The power that enables us to navigate mountains and valleys so that our lives bring glory to God. And I think Paul sums Paul sums it all up in Galatians 2.20. And whilst I share this scripture, if the worship team would like to come back, he says this in Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The power of God lives in us. So really, anything we bring to the table is just so substandard. And that's why Paul said, do you know what? It's no longer I that lives. I don't want to be at the forefront of things. I want what I have to bring to the table. I want it gone. But I want Christ living in me to be the one that pushes me to do the things that I'm called to do, that encourages me, that propels us to live in the way that we are to live. Because we've not been called to live ordinary lives. We've got the power of God living in us. And his power is more than able to do and match every circumstance that we find ourselves in. It's the divine power that never runs dry, that will flow through our words, our actions, and our thoughts. So this morning, why don't we pray together? Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word inspires us. It brings us from one way of thinking to a different way of thinking. It changes our perspective. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for the life that you have placed within us. Lord, and we ask that each day that we would step aside of our own strength, step aside with our own opinions, step aside and allow the power of God to work in us, to allow the superpower of your life to flow through us, changing our minds, changing our hearts, changing the way we think, changing the way we speak, changing the way we treat people, changing our approach to everything. Lord, we thank you for your power. And Lord, we pray that each day we will draw on that power in strength in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.